Wonderful. Uh, it's great to be uh, chatting with you tonight or speaking uh, in our last message uh, for Remnants of Revival. I'm so excited for what I feel God wants to do in this place, do in our hearts. And um, uh, who was here last week for Pastor Travis? Uh, morning and night. It was so powerful. And uh, in the 5 p.m., he talked about the power of prayer and how the Spirit of God really wants to move and speak to us. And and uh, it was just so powerful. And um, I really want to kind of culminate what uh, God has been doing in this series. And and uh, I'll bring bring some light of what I feel where God's kind of wanting to land the plane with this right now. But um, I, I want to do it through the form of a, of a story of where I want to get to tonight. Um, uh, some of the boys and I did a road trip um, last, I was going to say last year. No, it definitely wasn't last year. It was uh, going to Melbourne. It was the, uh, the infamous Harrison Pugh and uh, James Allen, if you know those incredible human beings. And uh, we went down to Melbourne um, and it was a great time. And uh, we went out west had a great time. We went to coffee shops, Nando's, and op shops. They were the only three things we literally went to, and it was a great time. Um, I'm a bit of a hipster, if you couldn't tell. Um, but uh, <laughs> um, but uh, it was a great time. And the reason why I bring this out of the story, because it will, it will make sense. But um, James and I, um, are, uh, you know, a friend of mine, like we're, we really just, we get in sync with we get in sync all the time. Uh, so, you know, like we kind of did like drama when we were kids as well. And, you know, we kind of, I don't know, we've just kind of got like, this, like telepathic. It's not real. It's not biblical. But um, like telepathic, like we know when something's up and we know when we're going to do something. And anyway, um, there was this moment we were, we were at an op shop, funnily enough. Um, and uh, Harry was actually in the op shop. Friend was in the op shop. And uh, he was coming out of it. But, but James and I, we actually went to, there was like this nearby train station. We were like, let's get a cool Instagram pic. Um, so we did that. We went, ran over there and uh, we're on this train. It was a great time. And then it was like, I don't know, race you back. <laughs> and uh, we were like 20 at the time. Uh, don't ask why. Tiggy never gets old or running. It wasn't Tiggy. Uh, but running and beating someone never gets old. So anyway, we run back from like this little little train, little setup here, and we get back to the car kind of like all huffing and puffing. And uh, Harry, one of the first thing he says is like, whoa, 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 why are you guys running? Uh, are you guys all good? Then James and I, we just look at each other and we're like, this is a setup. This is a setup like, like, and I don't know what it was. I look at him, he looks back at me and we just know actor mode goes on and we're just gonna create something out of absolutely nothing. And I remember the first thing I said and we just like sing, he's like, he knew his part, I knew my part. And I was just like, nothing man, don't wanna talk about it. And he's like, oh, okay, like, you know, kind of perpetuates a little bit. I'm really sorry, Harry, by the way. Uh, but he perpetuates like, oh, okay, like, did you, did you see something? I'm like, I don't wanna talk about it. And like, he's thinking like, you know, there's been like someone stabbed over there. Someone's got murdered. I don't know. I didn't ask him after, but like something hectic has gone on. James and I get in the car. James says the same thing. He's like, James, you know, like, hey, what's up? He's just like, dude, I can't do this right now, whatever. We get in the car. We start driving uh, to, and it is just silence for 45 minutes in the car. Like, and he was driving. He was like, and I'm just like, <sighs> Once again, nothing has happened, by the way. And James in the back, like, we're just like, we just picked it up. And uh, anyway, time goes on, you know, and uh, we just go, he's just like, are you guys all good? And, you know, we just kind of played it on for so, so long. We're so mean. Um, and nothing had happened at all. We created this thing out of nowhere because we played our parts. And, and anyway, we got to the point where we told him, just like, hey, man, you know, you know that thing that, you know, have him back there? Like, no, we were just running. Like, we literally just ran from the train station, like, 
I hate you. <laughs> no, he wouldn't say that. He's a lovely man. You should meet him. Um, but uh, I say this story uh, because when two people know their parts or what part they play, uh, it can actually create something really good or something demonic in that sense. It was really mean to Harry, to be honest. But uh, it, when, there's, when there's actually clarity of people knowing their parts, it actually creates something good. But on the opposite end, uh, when there's not clarity, where there's uncertainty, it actually creates confusion when people don't know their parts. And the reason why I bring this up is like, you could have been like, Nick, I, I've been coming to church for the past like four weeks. I love this Remnants of Revival series. I love that God pours out His Spirit. I love for what God did in history in Melbourne and in New York. He's done it all across the world at different times and stages. But you might be like, Okay, well, what part do I play? What part do I play in this? Like, like, how do I actually get on board? And the thing is, is sometimes we could maybe get confused on what's God's part and what's my part? What's God's part and what's our part? Because if we don't understand that tonight, we'll be confused and it won't create anything good. But if we know what's God's part, in moving and pouring out His Spirit. But what's my part as well? What part do I play? And I really felt if there was any two words that I felt God speak to me about this message right now, is kind of where coming to the end of it, He said, I want you to recap and release the church. I want you to recap what I've done, but then I'm gonna release you into the now to of what we're doing to see revival happen. Because who knows, God wants to do it, but there's actually a part that we play in this as well. So now I wanna talk about the legs. Where do we go from here? Knowing that, being stirred, man, I wanna see it. What part do we play? And my title of my message tonight is, If You Will, I Will. If You Will, I Will. Why don't we pray as we let the Spirit just speak to us? Lord God, I pray, would Your Spirit speak? Come, Holy Spirit, and speak to our hearts anew. God, we believe in revival. We know you've done it before, God. And Lord, we pray you would do it again. But God, do it in us first. God, do it in our hearts right now. Let us have ears to hear what you're saying to each person right now. In Jesus' name, and we all said, amen, amen. So over this series, uh, we've looked at so many great revivals. Pastor Paul talked about the Melbourne revival. Uh, God did a great thing uh, all over Melbourne in our homeland of Australia. He's done it in so many different places. Uh, we've talked about the, I talked about the Rochester revival with Charles Finney. Uh, we've looked at the Azusa Street revival. I know Pastor Joe and Pastor Trav looked at that. And uh, even when it comes to the Melbourne revival, uh, this incredible cultural commentator, uh, he's also a church pastor as well. His name's Mark Sayers. And uh, he actually said this about the Melbourne revival that I hope will encourage you. He said this, many of those who prayed fervently for Melbourne to see revival never actually lived to see the results of their prayers. And I think just like Abraham, is that not Abraham? He would be called the father of nations, yet he didn't actually see the promise of what God would do. And what if God just wanted us to pray for something we would never even see? Would we still pray? Would we still believe? And I believe we would church the will, but the miracles, the things God had done, uh, hundreds, thousands coming to know Christ in the droves, them running to the church, crime rates going down. We've heard all the stories over the past four weeks of the power of God moving where bars are getting shut down, where, where, where all of these great things, it's not just about the church, it's also about city transformation and it's widespread reform. It's so powerful. Atheists turning to Christ, churches on Sundays packed and the streets are empty. And uh, it's noted though, that uh, even in the Charles Finney revival, he said this, revival may come suddenly, but it does not come accidentally. 
Revival may come suddenly. We might see a move of the Spirit of God, but you better believe there's actually a part that we play in this and it doesn't come on accident. And I see something and I hope you see something like the Azusa Street Revival that is history. We read it as history and hundreds of years later, we look at this and we get to speak about what God has done. But something stirred in me when we were doing Remnants of Revival and talking about this message. And I'm kind of like, I can't wait for the history books that will come. I can't wait for the history books that are still to be written or if not are being written right now. And could we be a church that believes that in the history books one day, we will see the One Development Court revival? Would you let that sink in for a second? Because I believe the people even in the Azusa Street revival or any revival past, they might not have known that God was gonna break out and it would be in the history books. They just believed in prayer, but I believe this church is called to it. I believe if we would get that stirring wow, we could be in history, not for the sake of being in history, but for having something on the inside of us going, come on God, man, I loved when I was at the One Development Court Revival, where God poured out His Spirit, where God healed, where God touched His people. It would be tragic church if we heard some amazing sermons of what God did, but didn't believe for what God could do. It would be tragic if we did not learn what God wants to do in this time. And in 1 Thessalonians 3, Paul makes it very clear to us that we're actually co-workers with Christ. God working with us and we working with God together. Although God is sovereign, He is Lord, He is mighty. He can do anything at the snap of His fingers. At the breath of His Word, He can do anything. But He actually wants you to be a part of it. How amazing that about God, that He doesn't need us, yet He wants us. Is that not the gospel that we claim that we live in? This is the uh, verse I want to really harbour on and I really want to anchor in our hearts tonight. Uh, it's in 2 Chronicles 7.14. And uh, this is God speaking to His people, speaking to Israel. We weren't even a nation formed yet. That only happened in literally the 20th century. But nonetheless, He still had a people that called His own. They're still known as Israel. But in 2 Chronicles 7.14, and I believe this is revival to a T. God speaks, if my people, let's stop there, we are God's people. If you believe in Jesus here, you are God's chosen priesthood, royal nation, we are God's people. It says, who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Listen and catch this for a second. God says, if you will humble yourselves, if you will pray and seek my face, if you will turn from your wicked ways, then I will hear you. Then I will forgive you. Then I will heal your land. If you will, I will. If we will, then God will. Will, but we have a part to play. And I want to talk about what God said about what's our part. He said our first one, number one is to humble ourselves. If we want to see a forgiven people, a nation that comes under God, a people, a state, a church that is doing what God has called to for revival, then we need to be people that humble ourselves. Because He said, if you will, I will pour out my spirit, humble ourselves. We are not God. People are not God, but man, how many times do we act like it? How many times do we say, you know what, I'm going to do this next year. 
And I'm going to do that in five years' time where even in the Gospel, He says, do not make promises like that unless it comes from the Lord. Don't say, let your yes be yes or your no be no. That actually means don't make decisions without first seeking first the Kingdom of God. Let your yes be yes, your no, no be no. Let us know that God is to be feared and also to be loved. He is a God that will not be messed around, turned around or manipulated to our own ideals of what we want Him to be. God is God. He's the God of all creation. He's mighty, strong and powerful. He could if He wanted to, but in His great mercy, He doesn't take us out even though the sin that lays present in our hearts and lives even now. God is God. And I pray that that would humble you tonight to know that we are not God. We are a grain of sand in the almighty earth that is God. And He is strong. Who are we to say to the potter as the clay, do this for me, do that for me? No, no, no. Church, we desire revival. We desire a pouring out of God's Spirit. We gotta know our place. God is God and we are not. Humble ourselves. It says this in 1 Peter 5, 6. Humble yourselves. Therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you. Because God opposes the, opposes the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. Humility is God in control. Pride is us in control. Humility is putting God first. Pride is putting us first. Humility is putting trust in Jesus. Pride is putting trust in ourselves. And a great reflection to ask yourself today, if you're like, you know what, well, who is actually in control of my life right now? is actually to ask that question, who's in control of my life? Whose wants do I seek, my own or do I seek what the Lord wants? Notice I didn't say, uh, what needs do I have? We all have needs here and we all need needs met, like having a house and having food to eat. Not our needs, God will provide our needs, but what do you want at the end of the day? Is it truly what God wants or what you want or what I want or what someone else wants? Is it what God wants? And humility, because humility brings clarity to who God is. God can pour out His Spirit because we actually get a better focus of who God is when we're humble. I, uh, I love film cameras here. I have a lot of cameras. Like you come to my house, a lot of cameras. And uh, the thing that I've learned lately on taking photos, on doing this thing, is that there is a focus on the lens that you have. And when you have a bad photo, funnily enough, it's because you had it out of focus. What humility does, it brings us into focus so we can see God clearly. When we have humble hearts towards God, we know our position and we know His position. Do you struggle with being in change or having change? Or do you let God embrace those moments when there is change? But secondly, and this is where I want to anchor my point. Number one, we need to humble ourselves. But number two, we need to pray and seek His face. We need to pray and seek God's face. We need to pray and seek His face. Have you ever thought why so many times in Scripture, and even specifically this Scripture, it says to seek God's face? Why don't we seek God's stomach? I don't know. Why don't we seek God's... Uh, ears? Why don't we seek God's feet? Why don't we just seek God's hands? They look pretty cool. I'm sure they're pretty powerful. Why does it always say we will seek His face? And I think 
superheroes actually give us a really good reason how we can understand this point of why we seek God's face. You see, uh, uh, you got Spider-Man, you got Batman, uh, latest Batman. It's okay, it's pretty good, pretty good. Um, but you see, they have a costume, right? Uh, usually, you know, well, I mean, Spider-Man just goes all over him, crazy. But uh, Batman puts on a mask every single time. And I want to ask you, why do they hide their face? I think you know the answer to this. Why don't they just cover up their hands? You know what? Have you ever seen a superhero with really, really nice gloves? You know, they put them on every single time they get ready. They're polished. And every single time this superhero has their gloves removed, they're like, I've been compromised. I need to get back to my house because someone's going to, I don't know, destroy one of my loved ones because my glove has been removed. Everyone knows my hand. Maybe they're a hand model beforehand. Nobody knows. I don't think there's a superhero that if you take off their gloves or there's a elevated sense that they have nicer hands than everybody else. If someone's gloves get taken as a superhero, no one's really gonna matter at the end of the day. Why is this? It's because we know that the mask on the face hides their identity. And when their identity is, if the mask comes on, it reveals what? Their identity of who they are. It's at that moment you actually realise who they are. They're actually, uh, I was trying to think, Wayne, Wayne. Bruce Wayne, Bruce Wayne, we got it, guys. I was going to say Bruce Banner. I think that's Hulk. Um, he just turns green. Don't mess with that guy. Uh, but uh, in the Spider-Man, Peter Parker, it's at those moments that the mask comes on, that the identity is revealed. And this is why God does not say, seek my hands. He says, seek my face. Seek my face. If there's been anything that's been absolutely destroying me lately is actually this song. Uh, that comes from a, a band. I actually don't know much about them, um, but it's a song by the name of Daily Bread by P&W Collective. And uh, this song has been breaking my heart just from the lyrics and it'll come up on the screen here. It says this, you are our daily bread. You're our daily bread. And we will seek your face before we seek your hand. You are our daily bread. You're our daily bread. And we desire you before the promised land. The thing is, is that when we seek God, church, do we seek God's face or do we seek God's hands of what He can do for our lives? Where God provides is through His hands. Moving of His Spirit is through His hands. But do we actually truly wanna come to see His face or when we pray, do we pray and we're like, God, I just wanna be in your presence. I wanna know you more. Or do you go, God, our prayers sound like, what can you give me this week? How can you protect me this week? How can you cover? And I'm not saying these are bad things, but before asking for God's hands, would we seek His face? Because God in revival is not asking for a generation of the church that would go, I just want the blessings of God with no relationship with me. It's the identity of God that comes from seeking His face and knowing who He is. God wants a church that wouldn't just want His blessing without knowing who He truly is. Do we seek His hands, what He gives us, what He does for us? Or are you just madly in love with Jesus tonight? Why did you come to church tonight? Were you like, you know what? I'm gonna be good with God this week if I come to church, seek His hands. Or were you like, I'm coming to church because I wanna know Him more. 
What is the motive of your heart? Why you even sit in this seat right now? Are you here for Him or are you here for you? If we want God's pouring out, I want to let you know that I don't want revival if it's not about Jesus. If it's about what we can get, put it in the bin because revival's never been about what we could get from God. It's always been about, would you pray and seek my face, not my hands? God wants to know you. And maybe tonight, maybe just maybe tonight, right now, and I've noticed seasons in my life where I haven't actually had the greatest perception of God through the maybe season or trial that I'm going through, the circumstance that I'm in. I'll be honest, even the start of this year, sometimes I see God through a lens that isn't actually right. It's unfocused. And when I don't see Him right, I, I, I start to pray prayers that are actually not His will and actually what I want to do. And it's disguised as prayer, but it's not really prayer. And maybe tonight you feel that same way. I just want to give you some truth about who God is for your life. Deuteronomy tells us that He is a Father that carries us like He carries His Son. God is like a father. Matthew tells us that when we feel the pressure of getting it right before God, like I've got to have my 10 minutes in the morning with Jesus. If I don't, I'm a bad person. I haven't got it right. He's mad with me. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. God is not an oppressor. Jesus is not waiting for you to get it right every single time. He's asking, would you come into my presence because I'm the most loving, caring person in the whole entire universe and I just want you. You might be like, Nick, where does revival come into this? Once again, if we don't know Jesus, what is this all about at the end of the day? Why would we want a pouring out of God's Spirit? We need to know who Jesus is. We need to be in our bedrooms, in our living rooms, with our spouse in this place going, God, I just want to know you more. I want revival because I want to know Jesus. I want us to know Jesus. Would this world know Jesus? It's about Jesus. It's about him. He walks with you in the darkest nights. Even in the loneliest nights you've experienced this year, God has actually been with you and He's been interceding for you on your behalf. You know, the Bible says that, that Jesus intercedes for you. Picture that if we were to look in the parents' room and Jesus is just going, God, I pray for them right now. I believe right now that there's protection and there's healing. You're His family. He loves you. He intercedes for you. He loves you. Where did we sometimes get it wrong? Where did I sometimes get it wrong? Where like, God, I want your blessing. I want the things. I want the blessing, but I don't want the blesser. I want the creation and the material things, but I don't want the creator. No, we need to get back to Jesus again. Revelation 2.2 says this, 2-4, to it says, this is to the church of Ephesus. Book of Revelation, a letter written to the church of Ephesus. Talk about the things that are done and maybe the things that are done wrong. He said this, I know your deeds, your hard work. This is God to the church. I know your deeds, your hard work, your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Man, these sound like some really good things, really great things for the kingdom of God even. Yet I hold this against you. 
you have forsaken the love you had at first. You got all this right at the moment. You're reading Scripture every day. You're doing the right things. You're coming to church even. But you've actually forsaken the love of me in your heart. What is this about, church? It's all about Jesus. Revival is about Jesus. Revival is not about revival. It's about Jesus. And I want to let you know, at best, if it's about revival, it's some hype. At worst, it's a heretical gospel. The true gospel is Jesus. I seek your face. I seek you. I want to know what your eyes look like. You ever look into someone's eyes and you could tell what they were thinking and maybe not, maybe not telepathically, but you could sense what was going on and you could stare into their eyes and you can fall in love. I know, call it soppy, call it romantic, call it whatever it is. When I look into my wife's eyes, I smile because I love her. And when we look into the eyes of Jesus, what do you see? When did you last look into Jesus' eyes and see Him to know that He was so proud of you and He loves you and you just love Him? That's all that this has been about. There was a moment Sorry, this is so real for me right now. It was a moment God really speaks to me through song. And um, it was by this um, incredible church called KXC Church in London. They're actually in the heart of King's Cross. And um, God has done some crazy things in King's Cross. And it's basically pretty much known as the most violent place at the moment in London. And uh, they're, they're a church in the heart of the city. And they, similar to us, have been going through a series, you know, and had done for years now about revival, how God pours out His Spirit, does great things. And, and um, there's a moment in the song, it's a spontaneous worship, where actually the lead pastor comes up and he says, hey, in this moment, we're going to sing that song again. But as we do it, on the count of three, we're actually going to cry aloud as if the heavens can hear it and that God would pour out His Spirit on King's Cross. And this church, their heart, I'm telling you, I don't know what it is. And I still listen to that song and it still ruins me. I actually had this moment where I was just driving. It was like my day off and I was listening to it once again. You hear the roar of the church just get so loud in this one moment. It's about three minutes of them just crying it loud. God save King's Cross. God pour out your spirit. We need something. And you hear them all in unison. And there was this one moment last year where I listened to this. And the Spirit of God, like it was like the most like, I don't know, there was no emotion, even though it is like an incredible moment. I'm just driving my car and I had to pull over to the side of the road because I just start weeping and weeping and weeping and weeping and saying, God, would you pour out your Spirit again? God, would you do it? God, would you do it in Caloundra? God, would you do it in me? God, would you do it? And I started to break down. And every single time I talk about it, I just break down and I'm sorry for it, but I'm not sorry for it. Man, God wants to do something so powerful in you. God wants to do something powerful in us, but it's going to come not from seeking God's hands, it's seeking His face. Come on, will we stare into the eyes of Jesus? Will, could we do that for one moment? Could we close our eyes in this place? 
Would you let the Spirit of God put the face of image of Jesus before you? And can we stare into His eyes just for one moment? That it wouldn't, that it would all just be about Him? Not what we wanted, and I didn't like that song, and I didn't get what I want to know. Just let it be about Him. If my people would humble themselves, pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I will forgive them. I will hear from heaven and I'll heal their land. Jesus, I ask, would you reveal right now to every heart? Come on, Jesus, we want you. Jesus, if this isn't about you, it's about nothing else, God. We just want you tonight. Nothing else. Jesus, Jesus, pour out. Come on, would you see him? Would, you, would your heart get on fire as you see him again? Come on, will we seek his face in this moment now, but for the rest of our days, David said, this one thing I ask and this I will seek, that I will gaze on the beauty of the Lord the rest of the days of my life. So let it be with us, Lord. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. 